Hi, this is Dr. Jane Battenberg, author of Change Within, Change the World. In this weekly podcast, I interview changemakers who are at the cutting edge of new thought and consciousness awareness. Join me as we change within and change the world together. Today's topic is using time to transform. A recent guest, Carol Dixon, spoke about the timings of the Mayan calendar, whose 26,000-year cycle to encircle our galaxy last ended on December 21, 2012. Today, our guest is Izan Lewis to talk about the timing patterns and influences of astrology. Izan is based in Guildford in Surrey, England, and she's been a professional astrologer for 40 years. She's known as the art of timing expert and has written a book, actually a handbook, about turning obstacles into opportunities. And she has an ongoing international clientele from such exotic places as Hong Kong, Dubai, Scandinavia, Iceland, and the U.S. Izan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jane. Nice to be speaking with you. You know, you wrote a book called The Time Catcher. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a very catchy title. Can you describe a little bit about the book and its relationship to astrological timing? Absolutely. Well, as you were mentioning, I've done this work for 40 years. I took it up when I was 27. And I've always been a writer, but I've never had a book published. Oh, was it three years ago now? I was approached and it was based on radio interviews I did. And I was a host for a radio show at the time. What I wanted to do is not write a sun sign book, you know, whether you're a Taurus, Libra, Sagittarius, nor did I want to write a technical book for astrologers. So it kind of felt like I was falling between fences. And then because of these radio programs, it was very much easy to to kind of um, talk about time in different ways in everyday language for the everyday person. In some ways, I thought it was too simple, but I've been told otherwise. It makes people happy, which is an interesting bit of feedback. But I link it in very much with the cycles of nature, our bodies, music, mythology. And I think it's a sort of book you can just dip into any odd page, um, any chapter, and get something from it. And a lot of it will remind you what you know already, because we have these inner timekeepers. That's what the book's really about, contacting our inner timekeepers. And that's not about time management or how we fill our diaries up. It's very much about recognising that we are part of nature, at least our bodies are. Our brains may have other ideas about how to cooperate or not with them. But we have these inner timekeepers and cycles. And whilst we're in bodies, we are beings of nature. Our souls are from elsewhere, but our bodies are from nature. And we actually do know from the moment we're born the right timing for change. Hmm. It's really quite interesting. We have these we have these natural diaries within us, but because the brain interferes so much, um, we can exhaust ourselves. Definitely, our bodies and hearts know differently. And when we <laughs> are overdoing things, um, we wonder why we get illnesses, or kind of catches up to be aware of when we're not pausing. All conversations need pauses to be effective, a dance, a piece of music, but it's only our brains that really interfere with that process. And I think, I forget who quoted it, but there's a lovely quote about 
Um, if we don't find time for recreation, recreation sooner or later will be obliged to find time for illness. So our bodies are very wonderful things about reminding us. And from the moment we're born, we come into form. Then cycles are set into motion. And when I do an astrological reading for somebody, um, then it's getting them in touch with those cycles. And I'd say 90% of the time they recognize them hmm. or they need a reminder. I, I pulled a quote from your website by Carl Jung who said, whatever is born at a particular moment in time takes on the qualities of that moment. Is that what you're talking about? Well, that too, absolutely. Every moment contains memory. And the moment, if you like, is the present. And the robbers of time are the past and future, somebody else quoted. And that's, that's a good one, that. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, every moment has memory. That moment is there. And the moment we're born, we take our first breath. Um, the patterns around us, where we're born, the weather, what was being said when we were born. I remember my mum saying, I'm not ready. Now, my mum was a nurse. And a midwife, she should have known perhaps better. <laughs> and I was two weeks late, but she still said, I'm not ready. So that's something sometimes I feel relating to my own life. So I have to catch up with myself. And also, you know, the culture we're born into, whether we're born again early or late, the kind of birth, all these things are contained in that moment, qualities of the moment. And indeed, Carl Jung consulted astrologers, knew quite a bit about it himself. And he said it cut through hours of analysis and could pinpoint crisis points. And as you know, the word crisis means opportunity and crossroad as well. It's only in hindsight we see a crisis as perhaps valuable or positive. Well, you believe that patterns are, are everything and that everything's about patterns. Well, patterns, yes, but we have to change our patterns and habits sometimes. But I, I like the idea of cycles, but cycles aren't circles, they're more spirals. And as the planets move from when we're born and we move forward with our inner clock, and we have opportunities to understand some of our patterns, these archetypes, these characteristics at a higher level next time they come around, whether it's monthly or every 12 years as in a Jupiter cycle or so forth, you know. So when people talk about um, Mercury going retrograde, what um, is that something we should pay attention to? Or well, it... it's become one of these catchphrases becoming very popular and on people's lips a lot. All of the planets, apart from the sun and moon, go retrograde. But Mercury does it three times a year. And why is Mercury important? Because Mercury rules our left hemisphere brain. Oh. You know, how we, we, we need that. You know, we might be wonderful souls, be a genius, but if the brain isn't working right, you know, we're born and there's damage there, then obviously it's difficult to bring that through in the main. So the left hemisphere brain, how it connects with our hands as well and our thinking patterns, how we learn, how we communicate... How we connect particularly with the world around us is vitally important. It can get overused. As I said earlier, the brain can um, be very clever, but also um, work against us at times. So Mercury is very much to do with our thinking, our planning, our decision making, how we use words. And three times a year for approximately three weeks, it goes retrograde. What that means it isn't actually going backward. It's to do with its slowing down of speed in relation to the Earth's speed. And it's like sitting on a train, Jane. And, um, you're sitting stationary, perhaps looking at a book or looking around you, and without realising that the train next to you is moving and it appears or feels as though you're going backward. Yes. 
Yes, right. Yes. So that's a kind of analogy. Um, it's become very, very popular, this idea that you don't do anything at Mercury retrograde, you don't sign contracts um, and so forth, you don't make decisions. Well, we can't live like that completely. And it's an opportunity to take a pause, to sidestep things sometimes, and to use the prefix re, re. Okay, think how many words that applies to, you know, re-edit, redo, rethink, revisit. It's a great opportunity, and we've got one coming up very shortly for backing up data, like doing a general MOT on things, you know, check, double check things, small print, um, be aware there might be more travel delays, decisions made in this three-week period, which extends from October 31st to November the 20th, coming up, may change afterwards. So be extra aware of what you do want and go back over things. Wonderful time to go back over things, edit things, reflect. Use your right hemisphere brain as well, because Mercury retrograde likes you to use your right hemisphere brain more. I mean, some of us are born with that. You know, we're more perhaps familiar with that. And at some point in our life, as the planet progresses, we call it progressions, mathematical way of moving the chart forward, that Mercury will go direct in motion. That'll be a significant year in one's life. But, you know, and also if we're born in Mercury direct, it can go retrograde in our lifetime, often coinciding with changes in family situations. It's usually a year we look back on and remember. On a positive level, not that some of that's not positive, um, it's a time when people can come back into your life or you can find lost objects or you go back to places. And if you travel to somewhere when, Mer- when Mercury is retrograde, let's say, Jane, you travel between October 31st and 20th of November, even if you think you'll never go back to that place, there's a very strong likelihood you will. Maybe surprisingly, but you will. Mm. I know, it's yes. interesting, isn't yes. it? Um and when Venus goes retrograde, it could be a time when you meet new people who have a strong sense of familiarity about the maybe old loves come back into one's life. Mm, um, it's an opportunity life. to look at self-love a lot more as well. So, you know, there's many interesting cycles. Um, and as I said, and it's interesting, I started off by mentioning about the need to pause. And when planets go retrograde, whatever their principle is in life, like I mentioned what Mercury is, Venus is to do with love, creativity, Jupiter would travel, Mars with assertion perhaps, getting in touch with inner angers and, and getting, you know, really cleaned out in, in some ways, things that have been festering. It's a wonderful opportunity to um, to do those pauses and, you know, just step back a little bit. So the planets in their wisdom, if you want to call them that, and their wisdom do come along at the right time in their cycles, in our own charts individually and collectively what's happening up there at the moment, give us those opportunities. So the external, the planets out there, the stars, how how that relates to us internally? Is that like um, the moon affecting the tides or how does that work? (laughs) Well, if I knew that, I'd be be a multimillionaire. Nobody's able to prove it. And there's more and more research being done. And there does appear to be some links with genetics and family lines, because that's really interesting that because any moment in time has a different chart to the next moment, right? Yes. And angles to the planets between them. It, it, no actual moment is identical. So it, what is interesting, though, in family lines, perhaps going back generations, you see similar signatures, which are way and beyond logic. For example, it's quite common where one's sun sign is, that your daughter or son may have the moon sign that's the same as the parent's sun sign. And yet the moon changes sign every two days, and the sun changes once a month. We see that in our royal family in England, considerably so. 
our present queen is a Taurus. Prince Charles, who will come to the throne, we presume, his moon is in Taurus. Uh, the queen's uh, moon is in Leo, his rising sign's Leo, and her mother, the queen mother, was a Leo, and the queen's moon is in Leo. You see these sort of connections? Wow. They're just the odds on that, just the odds on that, you know. Um, and you see a lot with the present modern royals, if you like, um, the younger ones. Um, you see things like that as well. And we see it in our own families, very much so. So it's really interesting. We can't prove it. But, you know, they say in subatomic physics that when two particles have interacted and gone off in opposite directions, interference with one later on will affect the other. So I don't think distance, like the planets out there, it makes any difference at all how we're affected. So I'm getting a sense of like Indra's net that we're all connected, internal, external. Mm. A wonderful tapestry. And, you know, the hologram works like that, doesn't it? Each part of the hologram shows the whole. Subatomic physics works that way. We are like cells within cells. And I love the fact that we don't have to feel alone. We don't have to have loneliness. Once we realize, once we can align with our inner timekeepers, with nature, with the planetary cycles, even just being aware of it helps. You don't have to be an astrologer to do that. Then we realize, Jane, that we're part of this huge, beautiful tapestry of life. And how can we feel lonely? But when we mismatch ourselves with people, our jobs, our circumstances, we, there's a mismatch going on and it increases. That's when we feel out of alignment and we feel lonely. Does that make sense? Yes. And so should people pay attention more to their sun sign or their rising sign? All of it. But, you know, sometimes it helps. You know, we can look at stuff on, on the web. You can get sort of printouts or writing about Charts, but they're really caricatures because what happens is, particularly with the computer printout, you're getting what the rising sign means, what the moon sign means, what the Mercury sign, and it comes up like a caricature. They're all different. So the astrologer's job, and this is why I've trained it here and done it for so long, is to synthesize these things because within us we're all a mass of contradictions. But somehow, crazily, we kind of bring it through to in a kind of um, acceptable, normal form on the outside. Okay, personalities. Are different, but it comes through in a cohesive manner in the main. This inner map we're born with links in with as above, so below. And as the planets move from the moment we're born, they indicate the changes when these different characters, because each of the planets have different characteristics. We've all got them, but where they're placed in our birth chart, their angles to one another, the zodiac signs are in, their strengths and weaknesses, if you like, gives us our different individualities. The rising sign is an interesting one. Just as the moon takes two and a half days to go through a sign, the sun takes a month to go through a sign, one of the zodiac signs. And that's an interesting one too, because in the second century, we thought there were 48 constellations, and now we know there are 88, 1,022 stars, and all along the ecliptic, which is the sun's path, if you like. Yeah. But the rising sign, one of the 12 signs of the zodiac, changes every two hours of the day. So 12 times 2 is 24, right? Yes. Okay. And if you've been born at dawn, like I'm a Scorpio, and if I've been born at dawn when the sun was rising, the sun would be rising in Scorpio, so I'd be a double Scorpio, rising sign or ascendant, as it's also called, and sun sign. But most of us are different. Now, the sun sign's your core essence, and those lessons, those traits, those talents, what you share with everyone else born under that sign in that 30-day period. The rising sign is your window, if you like, the doorway. It's what you look like, your persona, your mask, if you like, what you wear to the world. 
and you filter everything through. So if I'm a Scorpio sign, I'm Aquarius rising, I would show more of my Aquarius side on the outside, which is a little bit more zany. Um, and the Scorpio essence inside is there. It's not necessarily more private, but one could call on that energy more in crisis. Um, but everything gets filtered through the rising sign. And what, going back to the royal family a, a little bit, sun sign columns, you know the stars you see in the papers and things? Yes. Yeah, they didn't really exist here in this country before 1931. And, and in America, I'm pretty sure, but certainly in Europe, the times of birth were always recorded. So one could do a lot of research into charts based on the time of birth, which indicates the timing of the cycles and where the planets are around the circle, the birth chart. In 1931, a newspaper editor here had a friend who was an astrologer and said, you know, Princess Margaret just has just been born. The Queen's sister, or what, she's passed on now. She's a Leo. So let's do something about her. And the astrologer said, well, you know what? Everybody knows their sun sign, the month they're born in. Why don't we do a whole column? And that's how it was born, which, of course, in many ways gave it a bad name, made it very superficial, light. Yeah. But also definitely increased in interest in the subject. So knowing your time of birth... It's quite important. Because they could change, like, within a minute, right? Or... It can, yeah. You've got two hours, and then it can change on often, not often, but sometimes I do charts of people at the last degree of a rising sign. I'd have to see their face to know whether it's, you know, what they look like, whether it's different, and the bone structure. Yeah, like, for a long while, I thought I was, based on what my mum told me, Capricorn rising, which is much stronger, bigger bone structure, very strong bones in the face. And um, it's very, it can be quite aloof. The Queen has that, going back to that. And it can be um, quite, yes, quite, quite aloof. It's hard to get through. Whereas Aquarius, the next sign, is, is finer bones and um, it's more zany, it's more restless energy. It's a lighter energy. It's much more futuristic. And mm. both have their points, you know, both have their qualities. So I had my chart rectified based on major events in my life, people who died, marriage and, and divorce, all those sorts of things. And the astrologer in Vienna at the time worked out that I was actually born about a few minutes later. So that made sense to me. And then when you did my chart, you found the same thing. Yeah, I know. I was waiting for you to say that. Absolutely. <laughs> no, look at your bone structure and everything, definitely. So this is one way of doing it. And that's the rising sign, your persona. Um, the sun sign, as I said, is your core essence. The moon sign is how you... Um, your rhythms, how you like your home, your inner home. And it's interesting the word moon links with mother and matter. And it's very much your first seven years of life, you know, and your habits. And that has some interesting cycles as well in one's life. Well, you have, you have clients. When clients come to you, what do they come for? Just a general reading about who they <laughs> are or a, a specific yeah. question? I know you've yeah. done, I just have to say, give you a break. Um, you did my mother's chart, and she was 90. I did. You did. And she was 90 years old, and you said, you know, you may think your life is over, but it's not really because you need to do some writing. And two years later, she published a book. Hmm. Wonderful, eh? We're never too old. <laughs> but your influence on her was profound. She really, yes. she took it to I'm very honoured because she's a wonderful woman. And some people give up living even though they continue physically living. When they're quite young, they just stay stuck. And some people do amazing things in their 80s, 90s and beyond, as we know. You know, I think people come for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes they are in a crisis at a crossroad. Sometimes they're given it as a gift, so they're just interested, curious. 
to explore their life more and their potential to look at their soul path. I get asked a lot to do short, like short readings to choose the best times for startups, running a workshop, events, rebranding, weddings, um, because these are things we can actually choose, but we can't choose perhaps when we're born. We can learn to work with that and overcome some of it. But I think when it comes to our business, particularly we run our own business, that's our baby and it has its own picture and landscape. And it's possible to choose a time to set that up, to incorporate it. And the word incorporate means into the body. I, do a lot, I love doing that kind of work. It's very objective, you know, um, so, so as long as they don't mind when an event will be, as long as it's not like crazy, like running a workshop at one in the morning, you know. That's really useful. So that's electional astrology, they call it, choosing the right time so that there are strong energies, not weak ones. On my website, actually, I've got a few testimonials to that effect. And I also do, and I'm loving doing it, charts for children, so for the parents the or grandparents. Time, so when someone um, gets married, does that influence their their relationship? Up to a point, I, people come to me to look at their relationship together, because although they may know each other quite well, there's always these shadow areas. And as a way of comparing the charts, creating a third chart from the two, third energy, the relationship chart, that can be really helpful. Because, you know, some people like a feisty relationship. They don't want it all easy flowing. Other people do need an easy flowing one. It's a question of what both individuals are like and want and how it comes together and what they can learn from each other. But the marriage, the wedding chart, yes, it's like setting a cycle into motion. It can indicate things ahead as well. I did one for a couple clients of mine who had a very upmarket wedding in Whitehall, and it was a big room. And I've done quite a few of the family's charts as well. And they said to me, can we go for one o'clock? And I said, well, sounds a good time. But when I checked it, the moon was about to change sign. We call that empty energy. It's not forming an angle, strong angle to other planets. The technical name for it is void, of course. And it's often the time it's an empty energy when something doesn't happen. You know, the phone doesn't ring or why didn't that person turn up or you're feeling uninspired to initiate things. So I said, would you mind um, leaving it till about half past one? Okay, they did that. And I wouldn't have known, but during that hour that before it, there was a problem with the sound system. Now, in a very big room, when people want to hear the vows, you know, and things like that, it would have been not so good. So by the time they did it, it was fixed. And I wouldn't have known what it was, but I knew that the energy was weak. It was off kilter. Hmm. So you don't do predictions like a crash of 2008, but you can see influences that can bring that about? I I think nothing's cast in stone. I think the best way to predict the future is to create it. I think Henry Ford said that. (laughs) You know, the guy who created Ford cars. The best way to predict the future is to create it. With every planet, we're not dealing with a lot of planets. They all are quite overworked, particularly in our modern age when... You know, in times gone by, women had to find roles much, much more. There were only various careers open to certain people or they didn't travel. They couldn't travel. Now we have so many opportunities. So what do we choose as a prediction? I think if we've got what I call a wounded area in our chart, let's say Venus is in an area of the chart, I would say linked to a Saturn where it's difficult to receive. We're better givers. Finding it difficult to receive or have self-love. Um... When that planet is activated by a movement of the planets overhead, it can be a time when perhaps we don't get the full benefits because we actually closed off at that level. So what would that kind of prediction be if it was meant to be a very pleasant one, like meeting love or 
drawing to you money. So my job is with clients is to say, well, how can you heal that part of you? Where did it come from? How does it link in with your ancestry, your genetics? Because the birth chart can show your ancestry, how you link with your families, your grandparents and further back. And nothing has to stay the way it is. We can heal ourselves. We can change and grow. You know, change, Jane? <laughs> <laughs> your book's all about thank you um everything is change and transformation and as the transits and progressions move from when we're born we have wonderful opportunities to amplify to heal and i always compare it to a theater stage that the actors in a play they're like the planets the movement of them on and off stage are like the cycles and the transits of the planets and each of these actors within us has an opportunity to be a leading role um, to bring on stage perhaps areas which have got stage fright because we were hurt when we were young or criticised. Um, therefore, we don't allow, as a result, other people to play those parts for us. If we choose to bring those stage fright parts of us forward when the time is right, and the chart will always indicate that. But because we have free will, which we know um, we abuse, but more so we neglect, we can actually not bring that character on our stage of life. Yeah. And therefore, you know, we have that free will not to, and we miss those opportunities. So prediction is all very well, but I think, I believe personally, there are some things that we're destined to experience, people to meet, <laughs> um, places to go, or services to the planet, and our talents, which we've brought through our ancestry as well. But I think with those traits that we bring through, Almost like acknowledging that inner timekeeper telling us, yes, this is the right time. This is very, very important. But I think also there are many things we can change. We don't have to have certain routes or outcomes, but we're much more happy to stay with our habits half the time. Oh, that's true. Our comfort zones, you know. <laughs> yes. And we need comfort zones, but we need new ones. And we've got the planet Uranus, the maverick, you know, the um, lightning rod in the sign of Taurus now for seven years. Really, Taurus will like, loves this comfort zone. It's got wonderful qualities, but it can be rather fixed and wants to have the truth of the senses rather than change or in the invisible world. Uranus and Taurus now for seven years will definitely see Earth changes changes in economies and things. But I think it's a wake-up call to change some of our comfort zones and habits. Hmm. And that'll go on to about 2026, that cycle. And it was last year, 84 years ago. So if any of you the listeners are, you know, want to think about that, what was happening 84 years ago, you know, I leave that with them to work out historically. Wow. So it isn't just our cycles, but what's happening on Earth as well as historical cycles and things they say history goes in time cycles or time frames, and it's absolutely true. And do we learn? That's the important thing. Do we learn? So you ask what sort of clients come to me. Maybe I don't get as many as people who go to psychics, you know, clairvoyants, who want to be given answers. Um, but I do get, I think, a lot of valuable feedback from people who really want to work on themselves to change. And as I said, when I do children's charts for the parents or grandparents, they use it as a toolbox in the child's growing years. And then when the time is right, they do give it to the child when they're 17 or something. And I've had them come back to me as young adults and wanting their children done. You know, it's wonderful. Yes. So I'm so, it's my best friend, my work in many, many, many ways. He kind of walks beside me as a friend. And my love as a child of the heavens and wanting to be an explorer, though I wasn't really physically strong enough for that, <laughs> came together, you know. And my interest in psychology and 
And I took this up when I was 27, which is a very important age astrologically, what we call a progressed moon return. By transit, the moon takes 27 days or so to go around the chart through the signs. By progression, mathematical way of moving the chart forward, 27 is quite an important turning point. And so is 54, the next cycle on. Some people change their home or lifestyle, children, they, um, you know, they, they perhaps work for themselves, as in my case. So you talked about historical things, and historically, at the macro level, where are we in our mm. global history? Well, I mentioned Uranus entering Taurus. Well, we have had now for a while, 2008, Pluto entered Capricorn. Cap- Pluto's power, Capricorn is management, how we manage, how do we manage our power? And, you know, we, we all know in 2007 and eight, the stock market kind of follows America to us and then to Europe. Astrologers knew that in 2008, there'd be a big crash, and there certainly was. Um, mm. Then it goes up again, the cycle's up, and then it goes down again. It's an 18.6-year land rent cycle, they call it. it. It links with the moon as well. What's happened recently in the last year or so, Saturn, which is often the taskmaster, <laughs> holds us back a little bit till we're really ready. It has entered its own home sign of Capricorn. Each planet has a zodiac sign it's at home with. And Saturn and Pluto are coming together at the end of this year in Capricorn. It's called a conjunction. It's a real reality check. It's a reality check. And how good are we at being an authority to ourselves, with ourselves? Why do we put people in pedestals, put them up there, and then want to bring them down again, leaders and so on, you know? So it um, doesn't have anything to do with fake news, right? <laughs> Fake news. Well, yeah, there's a lot of Neptune's doing its own thing in his home sign of Pisces. Neptune can be where we get spiritual inspiration, but it can also be where we get a lot of illusion, deception. You know, and also, yes, and that's interesting you said that, Jane, because we have to gain a greater understanding about our inner leader, our inner teacher, our inner authority, which is all a satinked area or arena. And we have to start getting that within ourselves more. And we've got to stop this blame culture, I feel, anyway. So easy to blame. So on a global level? Mm. Well, nothing's cast in stone. Um, um, Jupiter, which expands matters, the other teacher, Saturn's more the critical one. Jupiter's our more magnanimous teacher, enters Capricorn. Next year, we've got a lot of Capricorn energy, which is really about growing up, maturing. It's all about, and Capricorn rules institutions like government and, you know, big business and politics and everything we're seeing a real breakdown in some ways it's quite exciting a breakdown of the old ways to have a reshuffling we're certainly seeing that in europe with so many countries in recession now you know um in europe that's why i think in britain we do want our independence more but um or some of us <laughs> and uh i think next year is going to be a time of getting very real about t- taking off the rose-colored glasses pruning things which aren't necessary finding our inner parent is very important because you know everything starts at home doesn't it yes and that's where we need to start applying it not just blaming or idealizing things on the outside and there is a lot of divisive energy around um, a lot of a lot of anger it has it's happened before in history this is not unique it's not unique but i think where these outer planets which are the game changers saturn uranus neptune pluto they're the slow ones saturn takes 30 years to go through the signs pluto takes 250 Neptune takes 164, Uranus takes 84. They're major, and their effect is on the world stage very, very much. And when Pluto was discovered in the early 1930s, that's when you had 
the whole work with the atom, you know, and the breaking of the atom and the dropping of the atom bomb. And we had the rise of psychotherapy because Pluto was a god of the underworld. And it's very much about our power base and the rise of the dictators in Europe and elsewhere. So that's when Pluto was discovered. So when the planet is discovered, it mirrors things on Earth. Whenever Pluto um, has a bit of an odd cycle, it can be up to 30 years in a sign or only 10. When it enters a new sign, it's like a new time spirit comes on. So when a, like, a, when a uh, planet is discovered, is that its birth date, in a sense? Yes. Well, yes, in a way. It was always there, but because it's visible, always been seen, it takes on more meaning. Yeah. When Uranus was discovered in 1784, Uranus is a rebel. That was between the French um, Revolution, the American Civil War. Lots of invention was happening then. And when Neptune was discovered, um, Neptune wants to connect with source. It wants to move away from the mundane, the physical, and rules things like anesthetics and gases. And, and when Neptune was discovered in 1846, we had the rise of spiritualism, anesthetics were introduced, things of that kind. And it does tend to mirror what the meanings of those planets are in mythology. You know, Neptune is a god of the sea, it dissolves matters, it dissolves the boundaries. Uranus is the lightning rod. It's always within a centre, or shall I say, a certain angle to the epicentre of an earthquake when one occurs. Um, it tends to govern things which are too ready to break, like nervous breakdowns and things of that kind. So when we've got too structured, Uranus is the energy which breaks up the old. I think the poet and singer Leonard Cohen wrote lines of ring the bells at silken ring, forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything, and that's where the light gets in. I yeah. Love, that. love it. And ideally we'd like a breakthrough rather than a breakdown, but sometimes that's the only way it can things can change. Oh, so it's a big subject, Jane. You know, I mean there's so many things one can discuss about astrology, is why people spend years learning it. I'm just touching on it now, you know. Well, let, let's give our our listeners a way to contact you and how to get your book. Uh-huh. Well, my website, that's the easier part, is www.mynameisan, which is Y-S-A-N-N-E.com. So I think everything is on there. I do a blog. Uh, my book is on there as well, The Time Catcher, which is, as I said, for the everyday person to put them more in touch with their timing and cycles of life. And they can order through me or through Amazon, but ordering through me is good too. Yeah, what else information? So um, how long do your sessions usually last? Your, um, mm. You do them by phone? Okay, it's a full Skype? session, 90 minutes, and I record it. See, when I first started, Jane, I did handwritten charts, and I moved to cassette tapes, and then in the early 2000s to CDs. And now I'm finding people don't have CD players. So I, I send a file, you know, like we transfer on the computer comes into them. They put it into a document. They can hear it back. But CDs are lovely to have, to have a recording. Sometimes I do short sessions if people are looking for, you know, times for startups or for events or time to lo- relocate or for traveling, you know, or for a wedding. So in the last... People come back early for updates to see what's going on with their chart now, more about ongoing issues and the ones coming up. I think the original session links very much with the soul path as well, the ancestry. And I personally believe in reincarnation, but the client doesn't have to, of course. But if they are open to it, I link in with the lessons that have come through from other lifetimes and the talents and the wounds. So that can be really interesting to see the whole picture. Hmm. Well, 
you and I have probably had some past lives together. Oh, yes. <laughs> According, anyway, um, it's fun to speculate. And I think we were brothers in a former lifetime. Well, we're, certainly when I met you in America all those years ago, um, we were definitely tomboys together. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay, is there any yeah. last thing that you'd like to tell people? I just remember the time was God's first creation, you know, and we've got these natural diaries, these cosmic clocks, and I think it's, I think the important thing for your listeners to know is, for me, is that we are part of a huge big cell. We are all interconnected, and let's just try and be a bit more kind to one another and with one another. Oh. And have awe and magic, the magic of how, how amazing, you know, people who went out in space or first, you know, went around the earth, they just said, how could there not be an intelligence behind all this, this wonderful design? Oh. Yeah. Someone's got to be out in space a bit to be able to see all that and feel it, whether you're religious or not. And we get so caught up in our little worlds that we just, we forget the bigger picture. Very inspiring words. And Izan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. It was a lot of My pleasure, Jane. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. So you don't miss any of our shows. Make sure you subscribe to podcast.changewithin.com or click the subscribe button below. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Jane Battenberg.